Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where Here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam. Welcome in, everybody, to Fantasy Baseball today on a Thursday, August 13th. That's Scott White. I'm Frank Stample. This is definitely not the fourth time that I'm doing the Open today. And Scott, (laughs) honesty is the best policy, so here goes. I had all these ideas for segments today. Stash-o-meter on prospects, top five at each position after the first three weeks, rankings movers, and then, and then baseball happened, Scott. So tonight was maybe the craziest night that we've had yet. So we'll push all those segments to tomorrow's show. So if you have any prospects, push it all back. we'll push it all back. There's only a, push it all back. I was going to do a Michael Caine impression, but push <laughs> yeah. it back. Push it back. Yeah, that's a little sneak peek. That might be coming soon. But uh, all right, I have to. Dro- I have to. I have to drop the hook just because I brought it up. I want to do a man named Lorenzo, last name Caine, like mine, only spelled differently. No e. All right, that's it. That's all you get. Wait, what was that, Scott? I once knew a man named Lorenzo, <laughs> last name Kane, like mine, only spelled differently. No E. It's pretty good. I have okay. it right there on the soundboard whenever we need it. Uh, but, yeah, we're going to push those segments back. If you have any prospects you want us to talk about, we'll do that on tomorrow's show. It's only a six-game slate. What's going on, Scott? Have you caught up on everything? Because tonight was crazy. It was crazy, yeah. We've wasted enough time. Let's get into it. Let's get into it, indeed. Oh, my good. Scott, who is your standout, positive or negative, from Wednesday night? Positive, negative, zero, undefined. I am going to go with Bo Bichette, who was part of a hitting explosion in Buffalo, where the Blue Jays play now. He had five hits. He had a home run. He had two stolen bases, up to four now for the year. And, like, we're getting the best version of Bo Bichette, it looks like. All the ways this could have gone right, it appears to be going right for him. You know, it was it was unclear because, obviously, he was, he was huge at the end of last season, but he kind of overperformed his peripherals. And was there some natural regression coming in his first full season? Well, I guess it's not a full season, but you know what I mean. Um, and it seems to be going the other way. He's running more. He's running more successfully. His strikeout rate is actually way down. And all the things he was doing right last year he's still doing so like Bo Bichette appears to be trending up here yeah stop me if you've heard this before but Bo Bichette was on my bust list so uh, basically just draft everyone who was on my bust list because they are performing quite well I was worried that he wasn't going to run as much this year because he had a few caught stealings last season that is not an issue and Scott I know on the rundown originally I didn't have Bo Bichette but then on my own personal one I, I had Boba Shett. So this is maybe the first time that we were going to go with the same, oh my goodness gracious, player of the night. But 
Yes, it is. Uh, it's all looking up for Boba Chet. So I'll go with the. You original. would dare take my oh my goodness gracious player, would you, Frank? Scott, you, you wouldn't dare, sir. What is happening? I got a new mixer. It's pretty fun to play around with. I could do that satanic voice, <laughs> or I can do a more angelic one like this one. I wish everybody could play in Buffalo. It appears to be a hitter's paradise. Just a beautiful place to hit every day. Home runs left and right, especially to right because that fence is so short. Uh, I don't even know where to go. I don't, I don't even know what to do. You know what? Let's talk about Buffalo, Scott, in whatever voice you want to talk about it. Uh, 25 runs scored. That was phenomenal, by the way. Um, please, just feel free to mix that in whenever you... I mean, maybe not too often. It might scare some people away, but honestly, I'll just leave it up to you, Scott. There's, There's nothing, nothing scary about, about this. <laughs> it is just a voice of reason amid the chaos. That's all it is. Oh, Scott, have you ever thought about doing voiceover work? Uh, <laughs> if anybody offers, sure. Well, if anyone's listening, you know where to find them. Uh, Buffalo, a hitter's paradise you mentioned. 25 runs scored on Wednesday night, including seven home runs. You know, it's got to be a hitter's paradise if even Vladimir Guerrero Jr. can hit a home run, apparently. Uh, we mentioned what Bo Bichette did. Travis Shaw, a double dong, back-to-back multi-hit games, has hit third in the lineup for three straight. StatCast loves him. Very small sample because he was out. I think he has like 20 batted balls so far. But a 332 expected batting average, 506 expected slug. The launch angle is closer to where it was two years ago when he was still fantasy relevant. Hmm. Travis Shaw. Rank these corner infielders, Scott. Edwin Encarnacion, Renato Nunez, Kyle Seeger, Jesus Aguilar, and Travis Shaw. Uh, I would probably, okay. So it was a lot of names there. Do you have them in the notes here? That might be easier to reference. Okay, you do. All right. I'm going to go Encarnacion, Aguilar, Nunez, Seager. I'm going to, I'm going to have Shaw last for now because it is very small sample, like you said, but I mean, the, the world would have moved like, Time would have stopped if he had a two-homer game last year. Like, that's how bad it was for him. And obviously, he was working to recapture that form. He's hitting the crap out of the ball so far. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not totally moved on him yet, but it's, it's, it's something that's interesting. There are so many interesting hitters so far this season. It's crazy. And it's, it's not really a dissimilar situation from Jesus Aguilar because we've seen Aguilar have a monster season before. We've seen Travis Shaw have two really good fantasy-relevant seasons in the past. That's why I don't necessarily want to give up on Travis Shaw yet, but I would agree he's last on this list for now. I I would have Renato Nunez second. That's probably the only difference that we have. I still have Encarnacion first. Uh, Would you drop Reese Hoskins for any of these players, Scott? I keep getting a lot of questions about Hoskins. People are freaking out about him. Yeah. And um, I know you didn't like him coming into the season. So. I know. I didn't like him, but I'm um, trying to remember what I saw about him recently. I mean, he's obviously walking a ton. That was That's always been true for him. He's striking out very little. He's actually hitting a ton of line drives so far. Um, I don't know. I just think it's too early. I know that's kind of my default stance on all hitters, and people are tired of hearing it. 
but there's there's enough reason for me to think Hoskins is a little different this year that I'm, I want to see it play out when, you know, other than, I mean, Encarnacion and Aguilar and, and Shaw, I guess, they've all shown high-end potential before, but it's, you know, for Aguilar and Shaw, it's been a while. It's been a while. And Reese Hoskins, the exit velocity this season is the highest it's been since his rookie year, obviously, when he came up and, you know, was hitting all those home runs. Um, you know, the expected batting average is 251 entering I mean, Wednesday night. good for Hoskins, yeah. Yeah. If he hits 251, this season's probably going to go A-OK for him. Yeah, so I, I would agree. I, I know he's been frustrating to this point. He's still walking a lot. So if you're in a points league, that's you know one positive to take away from uh, Hoskins. I would not drop him for any of those names. A little more patience. Let's see what you know happens over the next week or so with Reese Hoskins. The person who was pitching in this slugfest, Scott, someone we're supposed to be so excited about, Nate Pearson. Yikes. Two and a third, five hits, seven runs, four earned, four walks, only one strikeout. Scott, Nate Pearson is really, really struggling with his command so far, something he really did not have issues with in the minors, but we've seen this with other pitching prospects in the past. Nine walks over his first three starts. His next start is in Baltimore next week. Their lineup is top five in WOBA so far this season. I am not starting Nate Pearson in that start. Yeah, we didn't. We weren't really worried about Pearson's walks before this start, so... Obviously, the rate looks terrible now. Four walks and two and a third innings. He had three and five innings and two and five innings in his other two starts, which don't stand out on their own. Um, I'm not sure I make anything of that specifically. Obviously, the start to his career has been underwhelming. For me, it's more about the lack of whiffs to this point when his stuff is supposed to be like knock the bat bat out of your hands type of stuff. And it hasn't been. You know, it it may be that he's not quite a finished product and is developing on the job here, which is common. Uh, and it may not. It, it may be that this ends up not being the year he's really a fantasy asset. But I I think the first two starts were still encouraging enough that I'm going to give him a pass for this one, and you know, at least give him a start or two more before I move on. Yeah, I'm not going to drop him yet. But I'm just not going to start him next week in Baltimore. Even if he pitches well, I think right. just having him on my bench and seeing him perform would be enough for me as a Nate Pearson owner. Uh, he only had right. three. And I understand that's a good matchup, but this was supposed to be two against the exactly. The I remember COVID last week ravaged Marlins. Right, last week we were excited about this matchup. Yeah. We talked about Pearson as as a single start stream uh, for this week. So, and, and I meant like Baltimore's top five in Woba right now. So, like it's not expected, but they're they're actually hitting the ball. Uh, it seems like every night we're talking about a different Baltimore Oriole as a potential waiver wire pickup. It's got a lot yeah. of a lot of news and notes, so let's kind of uh, run through this as quickly as we, as we possibly can. Aaron Judge was not in the Yankees lineup Wednesday because of lower body tightness. Aaron Boone was asked which lower body part, and he basically mentioned everything. So, <laughs> like, not even a week separated from Giancarlo Stanton going down, we now have Aaron Judge dealing with Lower body tightness, which I, I don't I don't even know what that means. Scott, would you just sell high based on the name? Like if you're worried about something like this lingering all season for Judge. Let's let him get back to the lineup first. I think today's not the day to sell high. Mm-hmm. And this is, I mean, this is a mistake I always make. It's why I don't, uh, 
they don't really play the stock market or anything like that. It's like, <laughs> I want to believe, like, I, I want a sign things are about to go wrong. But of course, when that sign happens, it's too late. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, someone who was in the lineup, though, the person who replaced Aaron Judge on Wednesday night was Clint Frazier, who went three for four with a home run, a double, two runs scored. And he said, this is the most prepared that he has ever been to join the big league club. You see all the Yankee stuff behind me. I am very tapped into the Yankees. And it's been a rocky relationship with Clint Frazier and the Yankees to this point. He's kind of a knucklehead. I don't think his teammates really like him all that much. He's a terrible defender. Scott, I think he can hit. I think he can flat out hit. I don't know if they're just... They're going to play him here to kind of showcase him in, in order to trade him. I think he's talented. He's 8% rostered. I just don't know that he's going to play every day. What he did tonight certainly helps his case, though. Yeah, it helps his case. It's obviously not the first good game he's had in the majors before. He did make an adjustment to his swing, his setup. Got a fly buzzing in my face here. <laughs> that uh, was leading to big production back in spring training, but we haven't heard much about his performance since then. Didn't hear much in summer camp, obviously, Nothing, we hear nothing out of the minor league pool uh, for the most part. So I think it just flew in my mouth. Um, (laughs) There's something in there now. Um, But (laughs) this show is off the rails already. I love it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would, uh, I would worry about playing time with Talkman and Mike Forrest. Um, Do you want me to talk? Flying anymore. (laughs) I seriously think. If this, this is, is it talking from deep in my throat. throat. Oh, it's dark and warm and wet in here. Oh, yeah. This is easily the craziest show that we've done yet. Uh, Scott, would you rather stash someone on your bench like Clint Frazier over, uh, let's say, a Dylan Carlson, who we just we don't know when he's going to be out? Um, not. Uh, I, I wouldn't have a problem with it. I probably want it today because I'm I'm pessimistic about the playing time for Frazier. Uh, I'd want to see another game like this. Carlson will be up sooner than later, and he'll probably play every day when he is. Andrew Benintendi was placed on the IL with a strained right rib cage and will not be ready to return after the 10 days. I think he can be dropped in basically all leagues, maybe 15-teamers or something. You hold on to him if you have IL spots. Corey Seager was not in the lineup again Wednesday night, but was a full participant in baseball activities. Whatever that means. Ronald Acuna was out again with wrist soreness and will miss this weekend series against the Marlins. Scott, I asked about Aaron Judge. I have a feeling you're probably going to say the same thing regarding Acuna. This one's a little bit scarier. They've already kind of ruled him out for the weekend, and you know he's a top-five player, a top-five hitter in fantasy. Do you, do you try and sell Acuna based off his name value? I, I want to... I don't feel like it's scarier because he had it examined right, and they ruled out structural damage. It's inflammation. Uh, just needs to shut it down for what sounds like a few days. And again, I think probably today, today's the worst possible time to trade him and expect full return, especially in a season that's so short. So I would, I would just cross my fingers and hope he's back by the weekend, like they say. You're probably right, Scott, because considering George Springer was dealing with a wrist injury and he returned to the lineup 
on Wednesday night, as did Rafael Devers for the Boston Red Sox. Brian McTaggart of MLB.com reports that Justin Verlander is hoping to resume a throwing program next week. Verlander is dealing with a forearm strain and has apparently been making excellent progress, according to McTaggart. Speaking of the Astros, Dusty Baker said Yordan Alvarez is, quote, very close to joining the active roster. Thank you very much. We'll take that, especially Scott, where he is winning all his leagues right now and doesn't even need Yordan Alvarez, and he's still going to get him <laughs> back anyway. Keone Kella will be activated ahead of Thursday evening's game against the Reds and will be the Pirates' closer. He's available in exactly 50% of CBS leagues. If you're in a Roto or a head-to-head categories league and you're in need of saves, Keone Kella is a name that you can look to. Eric Hosmer, this is a weird situation. He's been out of the lineup. He was out of the lineup Wednesday, and he's now set two of five games since returning. Is this just the Padres easing him in after the stomach ailment? I, I don't really know what's going on with Hosmer. This is weird. I don't either. It's frustrating. I, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I don't think he's beyond dropping if you need the roster spot, but it is it is interesting what he's been doing when he's actually played, but I this is weird. Yeah, if you need someone to actually play, there's no <laughs> shortage of corner infielders. We just listed off like five of them that might be available a little bit earlier on. Um, Victor Robles left Wednesday night's game after getting hit by a pitch on his hand. X-rays came back negative. Uh, Austin Slater, as soon as we pick, uh, start talking up Austin Slater, he was originally in the lineup for the Giants, but was scratched due to a sore right elbow. And John Heyman of MLB Network reported earlier today that the Cardinals' latest round of COVID-19 testing yielded no positives. They haven't played since July 29th. It's virtually impossible, Scott, for them to get to 60 games by the end of the season. Would you look into acquiring Cardinals, Scott, just because they're going to have more volume in terms of games played? Like, they're going to have all these doubleheaders. They're going to be seven-inning doubleheaders anyway. But some people have brought up the possibility, to me at least, of trying to acquire Cardinals because they they will end up playing more games. Oh, that's interesting. I hadn't thought about that. It 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 makes sense. Uh, I, I would be I would be afraid to do it till they were actually back on the field playing, and it might be one of those situations again where it's 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 too late to do it at that point. But maybe not. Maybe. It, it depends how wide it depends how widely circulated that talking point becomes. Probably. <laughs> If if not many fantasy analysts are talking about it, then you could probably still pull it off once they're back playing and we know they're they're out of the woods as far as uh, this outbreak goes. All right, Scott, let's jump into the rest of uh, Wednesday's standouts. We already talked about Buffalo being a hitter's park. I'm going to hit you with some buy or sell questions, Scott. Buy or sell, Blake Snell is back. At Boston on Wednesday, five innings pitched, four hits, zero earned runs, zero walks, Six strikeouts, got the pitch count up to 70. The innings and the pitches were a season high for him. 13 swinging strikes on 70 pitches. Scott, Blake Snell is back. Buy or sell? I'm going to sell that he's back, but he's he's certainly on the road. 70 pitches still is low, uh, but you know he went, he went beyond three innings for the first time, and he's been really effective his last two outings. So I think... In terms of having him in your lineup, he probably is back, especially in categories leagues where you don't need the volume as much. Hopefully he can get more like 80 pitches his next time out. Do you try and do anything with this, Scott? If you are either looking to buy or sell in an actual fantasy trade, do you say, oh, well, he's ramping things up. Let me try and 
sell them now if someone's getting excited about it? Or I'd be vice more likely versa? to buy okay. Snell than sell. I think probably it would have been the better time to do it would have been before this start. Scott, buy or sell Byron Buxton. Buy, Rin, or sell Buxton is currently breaking out. Three for five on Wednesday with a double dong. Back-to-back three-hit games. Scott, Byron Buxton is breaking out. Breaking out. Uh, He's been striking out a lot, and one of the encouraging things he did last year was reduce that strikeout rate. I mean, his... His seat, like his percentages last year, if you just projected out the numbers over a full season, it would have been a pretty impressive season for Buxton. Best yet. It depended on him having an improved strikeout rate like that. But, you know, strikeout rate isn't everything. I'm certainly not saying he's not having a breakout. It's just hard for me to say he definitely is when he's taking a step back in an area that seems so important to his development. So you're selling that? I guess. It's kind of a yeah, kind, I, kind of a roundabout answer. I don't like the strikeouts. I, I'm, not, I'm not saying no, he's not breaking <laughs> out. I'm just not ready to say yes yet. You're giving us a Chris Towers answer is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Uh, Byron Buxton. Answer. I'm looking at the the stat cast numbers. All, all look pretty good. Again, it's, you know, it's 29 batted balls so far, but uh, 505 expected slug is the highest of his career, and the barrel rate is up. Look, we've waited. It's just a matter of health, really. I think if he could stay on the field, especially in that lineup, even batting ninth, it's one of the deepest lineups, probably the deepest lineup in baseball. So, yeah, I'm probably with you, Scott, but you can... I want to say, yeah, I want to say, yeah, it's happening. The breakout's happening for Byron Buxton. He looks really good so far. Um, But I wouldn't be trying to sell high or anything. I just... I just think you hold. I think Byron Buxton's a hold right now. Mike Yastrzemski, three more hits. Your boy, Scott. You are the Yaz man. Buy or sell. He is a top 30 outfielder rest of season. Just opened up my rankings, which I updated yesterday. I have him 33rd. So by rule, I am going to sell that. That's that's not, you know, that's not a bad thing. You set the bar too high, Frank. Ah, well, look. We, we people- should all be Yaz men. People, people are excited about the Yasman right now. So I'm just I'm trying to get a feel for how we feel about him ultimately rest of season. You have him outfield 33 and head-to-head points. I am still in the process of updating my rankings, but I have updated uh, my outfield ranks for both head-to-head and roto, and I have him 34th. So I'm right there with you. I don't think it, he's top 30 still, yet. It's still a tough home environment. He doesn't make the hardest contact in the world. If you're forcing me to argue against Mike Yastrzemski, those would be the arguments against him. But, you know, puts the ball in the air a lot. Really good plate discipline. Overall, I like him. All right, let's see if I can get Scott to buy one of these. Brandon Lau is a must-start second baseman, Scott. Three for five, a home run, two RBI, and three runs scored on Wednesday against the Red Sox. He's lowered his strikeout rate this season, which is something I really wanted to see out of Lau heading in. He's a must-start second baseman, Scott. So I have him 16th. I could move him up. I could move him up to his highest 12th, I think, at second base. Does that make him must-start? Uh, I'm. St- <laughs> he certainly must-start right now. Is that can can we count that as a buy? He's must-start right now. He's reduced his strikeout rate. 
down to like 26%. It was more in like the Joey Gallo range last year, which clearly was not sustainable. But it's it's a rate he can survive with right now. It's a good uh, a good hitting profile for power otherwise. And he's playing every day, lefties and righties. So, yeah, I can't imagine anybody sitting him right now. Probably going to pick up outfield eligibility too. So I'm looking at his splits so far this season. And against lefties, he has a 1,500 OPS and a 307 weighted runs created plus. I'm sure this is like a really small sample. Of course. 22 plate appearances. All right, but I mean, he's playing every day and he's performing so far. He has yep. three home runs against lefties. I'm Stock with, up. I have, sure. him, I have him as my 15th second baseman, Scott, but I think he should be top 12. I'm looking at 12, 13, 14. Eduardo Escobar, Kevin Biggio, Tommy Edmond. Brandon Lau could easily be better than those guys. He has been so far. So it's, I am going to move him up to 12. And I think, okay, yeah, I think right now, given the state of second base, yeah, he's a, he's a must-start second baseman. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I could certainly hear the argument for that. I am, I try to be, uh, I try to be conservative with moves in my rankings because like the most annoying thing in the world is if you move up a guy one week and then you move him right back down the next week, you know? Right. So I try not to overreact and yet I still overreact sometimes, but yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to play it cautiously in the rankings and say Laos 16th among second baseman for me, but he is, he is closing in on the top 12. Well, Scott, let me ask you about one of the names that I brought up there. Who's off to a really, really slow start. And that's, Eduardo Escobar, seemingly everybody in Arizona has gotten going in this series in Colorado. Um, in their game on Wednesday, Cole Calhoun, three hits. Kettle Marte, two hits. Uh, Starling Marte, three hits. David Peralta, two hits. Like, it was just everyone except for Eduardo Escobar, who is now batting 171 with a 470 OPS. What are we doing with Eduardo Escobar, Scott? I didn't love Escobar coming in, but he's clearly better than this. You know, I don't know if he's Mike Moustakis good, which is basically what he was last year. But, you know, you look at who he was two years ago. That was still a usable player, closer to 25 homer power than 35 homer power. And uh, I, 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 think he's gonna, I think he's going to be fine. I think in those shallower leagues with the smaller lineups, you know, like a points league, you could probably drop him. He's right on the verge of being dropped there. But anything larger than that, just just write it out. I probably wouldn't drop him. And, I, and I've been the person that's preaching to like be more aggressive with moves so far. Uh, just looking at his profile to this point, the strikeouts are up. He's got a 29.8% line drive rate. And he has a 217 Babbitt. Last year it was 283. So that doesn't seem sustainable based on how many line drives he's hitting. His hard contact is up. Uh, he has a 20% infield fly ball rate. So that's definitely weighing him down, as are the strikeouts. Uh, but based on how many line drives he's hitting and the hard contacts, I think better days are coming for Eduardo Escobar, and he has that dual eligibility. Second base is not a good position. I'm okay benching him for now, but I think better days are coming for Eduardo Escobar. And some better days are already coming for these players, Scott, who got off the schneid on Wednesday. Anthony Rendon continues a home run in three straight games. Pete Alonzo, three for four with a homer, three ribbies, three runs, I'm not sure that any player needed this more than Pete Alonso. He's been really, really lost at the plate thus far, Scott. Um, this is a big game. You needed this out of him. What's been the biggest issue for Pete Alonso to this point? I think 
the biggest issue for Pete Alonso is probably a lack of contact. Uh, and, well, and putting the ball on the ground. It's it's been a combination of things that uh, like the worst thing a hitter can do in the modern environment, but also not a reason to overreact from my perspective. And hopefully this puts them on the right track. I know I saw that you moved them down a little bit in your ranking, Scott. So it's, a, it's enough that, you know, that you've noticed that he's struggling, but we're not doing anything rash. I mean, he's still a top five first baseman for you. Correct. Right. The extent I moved him down was within a tier at first base. Uh, in, you know, how I, how I, how I broke up, broke down the first base position coming into the season. I had him at the very top of the tier. I moved him behind some others in that same tier uh, because, you know, I think there's there's reason to suspect he's not going to be quite as good as he was last year. I mean, of course, he's had a rookie record for home runs, so we were halfway expecting that anyway. But I still think he'll be a must-star player. The power isn't there yet for Fran Mill Reyes, but he now has 12 hits over his last six games, so that's... A very welcoming sign for Fran Mill. J.D. Martinez had a grand slam on Wednesday, so he's starting to heat up. And we have some twins, Scott. Spoke about Mitch Garver on yesterday's show, part of the Worryometer Wednesday. He had three hits while batting leadoff against a left-handed pitcher. Eric Lauer was on the mound. No strikeouts. That's probably the biggest takeaway here for me regarding Mitch Garver. And then Miguel Sano, he hit his fourth home run of the season on Wednesday night. He also walked twice. And that's why, look, it's volatile profile, uh, especially for Miguel Sano. But again, just having exposure to that lineup as deep as it is, Miguel Sano is one of these guys that can literally be as hot as anybody in baseball and carry you for the rest of the season. That's kind of why we're preaching patience for, I mean, specifically Garver and Sano, Scott. Yep, it is. And like I was more worried about Sano. Well, I shouldn't say that. I had some concerns about Garver. I still do, but... You you can pivot easier from Sano than Garver. And I'm not saying you need to pivot from either necessarily, but like Sano needs to get his act together soon, given the quality of alternatives at uh, at third base, especially. Some waiver wire names, Scott. Throw out some pitchers and you tell me who you're most interested in based on uh what they did to, on on Wednesday. Dylan Cease was at the Tigers. He did allow five runs, but it's a weird line. He only allowed one earned run. Zero walks. You like to see that. Five strikeouts. Uh, he also went six innings. He is 53% rostered. Brad Keller. We've received a few questions regarding Brad Keller. He's now looked pretty good in his first two starts since returning from the COVID IL, I believe. And six shutout innings, two hits, three walks, three strikeouts in Cincinnati. So definitely not an easy matchup, not an easy place to pitch. Uh, went very slider heavy. His next start is at home against Cincinnati. Uh, he is 25% rostered. Zach Eflin, kind of a mixed bag, four earned runs over six innings, but 10 strikeouts, 19 swinging strikes on 91 pitches, uh, 72% rostered. He's a two-start pitcher for next week. And then these two names were going up against each other. Zach Davies, another solid start, which just, Seems weird talking about Zach Davies, but he's performing well. And then Tony Gonsolin, who was on the other side, four and two-thirds, three hits, zero earned, eight strikeouts, 13 swinging strikes on 82 pitches. So, Scott, Cease, Keller, Eflin, Zach Davies, Gonsolin, who are you most interested in on the waiver wire? 
Um, I would probably, if I was forced to pick up one, and I'm not super excited about picking up any of them. If I was forced to pick up one, it might be Eflin, just because he had one of those really eye-catching starts with the 10 strikeouts and 19 swinging strikes, which I, I was looking through the game log. I believe that's a career high for him. He did have an 18 swinging strike game last year which was obviously a fluke, and maybe this is too. I wasn't really seeing much in the pitch selection that was leading to be- me to believe he's a different pitcher now. But it's it's a speculative... You're speculating on the possibility that he's tapped into something that opens this door to brand new upside. Because I feel like, of these pitchers, Eflin is the only one who has... Uh, demonstrated the potential for new upside. I mean, Cease, it's encouraging that, you know, he had five walks in one start. He has two in the other three combined. So the overall walk rate doesn't look great, but, you know, he's had, from start to start, the control has been pretty good, but he's not missing many bats, and he's supposed to be a power pitcher. I'm just not sure about that. Keller, Keller's doing just what Keller does, I feel like. Good ground ball pitcher, will eat innings, you know, it seems like he's better than he actually is when he's coming off a start where he's not allowing runs, but he's going to have starts where he allows like five runs too because he allows a lot of contact. And, you know, that I'm not saying he's useless. It's just there's a limit to that upside. Davies is interesting because it seems like his main pitch is now the changeup. Like that is the pitch he's throwing more often than any, which logically doesn't make sense to me because the changeup is effective because you're changing up the speed, right? Of the fastball. You play it off the... I don't know. It doesn't make sense. I'm sure there's movement there that the fastball doesn't get, and maybe it's going to be a good thing for him. But I, I still think the upside's limited, even if even if uh, he's better at limiting runs this year. So not terribly excited about any of them. Eflin, just take a flyer, see what his next start looks like probably not going to be this good but if it is then you'll have beaten the competition to him zach eflin has a two-star week next week scott at boston and at atlanta i know that you're probably still in the process of working on your pitching planner what do you think about those two starts uh that's so annoying that the now is when he's going to have a two-star week i i i'm not convinced eflin is a like a good pitcher based on this I could see doing it in the points league just because volume is so helpful there, but it's it's a risky play even in that form. I definitely want to do it in a categories league. Zach Davies, you talked about him going change-up heavy. I was looking into Kyle Hendricks, who had another quality start on Wednesday night, and he did the same thing. He threw more change-ups than anything else, and they're not dissimilar pitchers in that they throw like 87, 88 miles per hour, and now they're going change-up heavy. Davies has kind of changed up his pitch pitch mix where he's using more cutters this year. So, I mean, that's probably helping him to some extent. He has a two-star week next week as well. He's at Texas and versus Houston. Nah. Nah, can't do it. That Houston matchup especially is too risky. Look, it's another... The threshold for a two-star pitcher is much lower in a points league. So... You know, if you if you were really dying to get an extra start in your lineup, I don't think it's crazy. I wouldn't do it. I probably have better pitchers, and I would rather take a a better pitcher who's making one start than Zach Davies making two. Some waiver wire hitters from Wednesday night. 
Uh, stop me if you've heard this name before, Scott. Jesse Winka. Two hits, a home run, a stolen base. He now has multi-hit games in five of his last six, Scott, and he has hit a home run in three straight. He is rostered in 26% of CBS leagues. Garrett Hampson, now seven straight starts where he has led off in each of those games, back-to-back games against right-handed pitchers. He had four hits on Wednesday, including a triple and a run scored. He is 47% rostered. Uh, Two other names, Anthony Santander, two more hits, another home run, his fourth of the season. Someone tweeted at us earlier today, Scott, and said, they're tired of your disrespect on Anthony Santander. And then (laughs) one episode, (laughs) they act like it's a pattern of behavior. Yeah. Put some respect on Santander's name. Dom Anthony Smith. Santander. Don't even bother with him. He is he is trash. Scum. Something you'd scrape off the bottom of your shoe, Anthony Santander. No, he's fine. We'll talk about him. And Dom Smith went two for four with a home run, three RBI, and two runs scored. He's still just rostered in 21% of CBS leagues which means he has to be out there in some roto leagues with five outfielders and a corner infielder. I think Dom Smith should be owned in those leagues. Winker, Hampson, Santander, Dom Smith. Scott, break them all down. Which one are you most interested in? So this is really interesting stuff. It is. I like um, all of them. Honestly, I like all of them. Yeah. I have I have thrown... I have been unenthusiastic talking about Jesse Winker just yesterday and talking about Anthony Santander a couple days ago. Um, I'm becoming more enthusiastic. Obviously, Winker I loved two years ago, but, you know, home runs in three straight games. Like, if he can get, if he can get uh, his fly ball rate closer to where it was two years ago, where it seemed like he was starting to break through as a power hitter, knowing how much he walks and how good his line drive, his bat skills are in general, like, maybe this is the breakout, and I was just a year early on it. I think it's definitely worth picking him up now in a five outfielder league, certainly three outfielder league. It depends on need and who you can afford to, to, to expend. But in theory, Jesse Winker with all those walks is a very good points league player. Anthony Santander, he's elevating well. He's hitting the ball hard. He's striking out 14% of the time, very low. Like, Probably not, but if he continues this way, like that's the profile that got us all excited about Willie Calhoun. Like Anthony Santander is Willie Calhouning right now. And, uh, well, don't say know, that I'm, because that would actually be bad right now, Scott. Well, <laughs> Willie okay, Calhouning fair, is very 150, <laughs> but it's, it's a Mike Moustakis like hitter profile. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's probably. Look, I'm I'm not going crazy for any of these players, but it's definitely like I could definitely see the path to success for them. And if you have an outfield need, then certainly these are the kind of players that you would take a chance on when they're going well, when they're attracting attention on the waiver wire. But then the most exciting of all is probably Hampson. I mean, he could have been my oh my goodness gracious player today because like I, I think this might be it. I think I think we might be seeing the Garrett Hampson breakout here. He has been doing everything right lately. Four for six with a triple today, as you mentioned. Five in his last seven games, five extra base hits, four walks. So he's getting on base, two steals. He is hitting the ball uh 
his average exit velocity anyway. Uh, no, not his average exit velocity. Sorry. His hard hit rate, according to fan graphs, which we've kind of abandoned for average exit velocity, but, you know, a, a, a average exit velocity can get kind of skewed um, when you're account, when you're lumping every batted ball event into the same percentage, like his on fan graphs, soft contact, very low for Hampson, hard contact, very high. His XBA was actually 325 heading into today's game when he got five hits. And now his batting average is about 325 too. So like getting extra base hits, hitting the ball hard, getting on base and batting leadoff now and running like I, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think he's probably worth picking up everywhere at this point. Um, I'd still rank him behind Brandon Lau among second basemen, but maybe not for long if, if he keeps playing every day and keeps performing like this. He's rostered in 47% of CBS leagues. Scott, that number should be blank. I will say every categories league for the Steel's potential, he should be rostered, and I'm not sure what percentage of leagues that is exactly. I'm going to say he should probably be like 70% rostered at this point. That's exactly the number that I was thinking. Jesse Winker, 26% rostered. Scott, that number should be? 60. Okay. So Maybe people got to get out there and start picking up Jesse Winker. Yeah. yeah. There, we were once upon a time. You were excited about him. I was excited about him a couple of years ago. Former top prospect. Great environment to hit in. Great lineup to hit in. And I believe he bat sixth on Wednesday night, but so like he's not necessarily in the middle, but somewhat of a deep lineup there. I mean, there's still RBI opportunities in Cincinnati for him. It, like these are guys that we've talked about before, and it might just be happening. It's like the the Michael Scott running around. It's happening! Oh my God, it's happening for both of these guys. I hope so. It might be. It, it always. It's too early to say that, and it probably won't be because of that. But it's that's that's the game in fantasy baseball is once it's obvious it's too late so you just have to react at the earliest signs of it and you know be careful that you're not giving up too much in the process all right scott would you drop justin upton for both hampson and winker yes would you drop upton for santander yes would you drop him for dom smith i mean upton is but let's let's move the bar up a little here because I drop opt-in for mostly anybody at this point. Hmm. All these names are kind of similar. <laughs> I had Mercado, Kingery, Ryan McMahon, McCutcheon. Would you drop all those players? Not for Dom Smith, but for the other three, Hampson, Winker, and Santander, yes, I would. I would. Kingery, I might hesitate for the steal's potential, but I still probably would. I'm trying to pull up the most dropped players to see who's popular right now uh, in terms of dropping off your team. And they're all they're all scrubs, so you guys are actually doing a good job in terms of uh, who you should be dropping right now. Like, uh, Who's the most high-profile player that you might consider dropping at this point? I mean, that's... Um, trying to think of a name here, Scott. Andrew Benintendi, maybe? I'm all right. Dude. I mean, he's on the IL now, too. I think you can make that yeah. swap. How about like Brian Reynolds, Scott? Um, I still really like the profile for Reynolds. I think he's going to be a good source of batting average still. It'd be easier to do in a shallow league, like a shallow league. I'm sure you could sneak him through when he's done basically nothing at this point and was a late round pick and 
Uh, so I, I would say probably. I'd probably be okay with doing that for Hampson, Winker, or Santander. In a points league, Scott, would you drop Victor Robles? Um, you know what? I think so. Points league is not his format. You drafted him to be your primary steal source probably in a categories league. He has yet to steal a base, so that's fun. But I, I still expect he'll be a good source of steals by season's end. But he's he hasn't shown enough progress with the bat to make me think he's going to be a points league asset this year. Yeah, I agree with that one. All right, Scott. So rank the rank these four. I'll throw I'll throw Nick Solak in the mix because I think that he is also someone that should be added as well. Someone I'm very excited about. Winker, Hampson, Santander, Smith, and Solak. How do you rank those five? So I'm not down on Nick Solak, but this is kind of a gamesmanship thing, I guess. I think I'm using that word right. Maybe not. A, st- a strategic thing. Like Solak's pr- production, the ways we're encouraged by Solak, they're, they're not loud enough that you're at risk of losing him to somebody else right now. So he he's pretty easily fourth for me. I would go Hampson one, Winker two, Santander three, then Solak, then Dominic Smith, who's pretty distant fourth because he's not playing every day. I might swap Solak and Santander, but outside of that, I do I do agree with your order. We'll take a quick break, quickly promote a few things here. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can see what I look like. You can see me almost fall off my chair whenever Scott randomly decides to break out into demon voice or angel voice, whichever one he chooses. <laughs> There you go, youtube.com slash fantasy baseball today. We're working our way towards 1,500 subscribers. Thank you to everyone who has subscribed thus far. And also, while you're at it, join our Facebook uh, group, Fantasy Baseball Today, our Facebook group. A lot of interesting questions in there. Uh, I throw some questions in. Scott posts all his articles in there. Facebook.com slash groups slash fantasy baseball today. We'll take a break. When we come back, we're going to hit on the rest of the action from Wednesday night. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. Homes.com offers in-depth neighborhood guides with detailed video overviews, comprehensive narratives, and unbiased information from a multitude of sources. You thought we go in-depth with player analysis on fantasy baseball today? You haven't seen anything yet. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood complete with a video guide. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. When looking at local schools, they offer test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash businessgoldcard. 
Throughout our break there, Scott, you brought up the name Brandon Nimmo, who is probably someone I should have included in that last list of outfielders. He is 50% rostered. Uh, tell everyone why you're interested in Nimmo and where he would rank among that group we just spoke about. Yeah, so Nimmo went three for five with his third home run of the season on uh, on Wednesday. And I'd, I'd like, like to take, take this moment to wax poetically about Brandon Nimmo because some of the things he's doing they're, they're just they're just glorious. It seems like he's 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 ascended to new heights in player performance. His walk rate is through the roof. Truly heavenly what we're seeing from that walk rate for for Brandon Nimmo and and it, 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 you know in terms of hitting the ball hard and and just he's I can't sustain that. I can't talk at that voice for that long for the whole thing. <laughs> that would get annoying. Um, but yeah, no, it's really it's really encouraging what we're seeing him do. His strikeout rate is down and and like playing time was always an issue for Brandon Nemo. And uh, he's starting against both lefties and righties. So one th- one number that stood out for me is entering Wednesday's game before he even hit that home run, his ex Woba, according to Statcast, uh, who likes how hard he's hitting the ball, uh, how little he's striking out. It was 408. X-Woba, well, Woba in general, is weighted like on base percentage. So, you know, it's accounting for power and stuff too, but a good a good Woba would be the same as a good on base percentage. So 408, I mean, that's that puts him in terms of X-Woba in the top 10% of the league for a guy who's now playing every day. And like, this is the best version of Brandon Nimmo we've, we've seen. And, you know, that's saying something considering the 2018 version was really good. So I would put him, I would put him behind Hampson. I would put him behind Winker. I would put him behind Santander. I would put him ahead of Dominic Smith and I would put him ahead of Nick Solak too. Ah, man, Scott, I can't get you to buy in on, on Nick Solak the way that I love him. I'm looking at the splits for Dom Smith right now against lefties, and he has an 11-12 OPS against lefties so far, 649 against righties. So that's weird. And should probably normalize. But Brandon Nimmo so far against lefties has a 598 OPS. So he's playing every day, still somewhat struggling against lefties. Uh, I think he's a name worth monitoring. Probably should be owned, maybe not in a points league because you only start three outfielders. But that's where his profile really plays up. In any type of OBP format or a deeper points league, that's where Nimmo makes sense. I think that I rank him last. Uh, For some reason, I'm just really in on Dom Smith. So... We'll see what happens regarding those two. Uh, I got some deeper league names here. Scott, who the? Who are these guys? Robbie Gross, man. Grossman. This guy's like Mitch Moreland in the outfield, Scott. I feel like every single year we have a two-week span where we talk about Robbie Grossman. Oh, is Robbie Grossman actually a thing? Well, on Wednesday, he went one for three with two runs, two RBI, two walks, stole his fourth base of the season, his fourth straight start in Oakland. He has six hits over his last four games. Robbie Gross, man. So I just, to be clear, you're poo-pooing a guy who is up to three home runs, four stolen bases, and has an on-base percentage of, of, uh, where is it? Oh, I didn't write it down. Great. Really high. Almost 500, that on-base percentage. 453. 453. And he's getting every day at bats, a guy with a long history of a platoon role there. I, I agree. I need to see a lot more. But his let let's let's keep track of this because it's interesting. 
12 team Roto Leagues, five outfielders. Scott, you take a speculative ad on Grossman right now? In a 12 team, five outfielder league? Yeah. Probably not. I mean, I'd certainly grab all those other guys ahead of him, except for maybe Dominic Smith. He's probably on equal footing with Dominic Smith for me. Chan Cisco, that thong, the thong, thong, thong. True story, I didn't know if I can sing that before we started the show, but Scott said, yeah, go for it. Why not? Uh, so if anything happens, I'll just blame Scott. Two for four. He hit his second home run on Wednesday, three RBI. He is batting 381. Are you interested in two catcher leagues, Scott? That thong, the thong, thong, thong. <laughs> um, I was thinking about doing that and didn't hear the name you said. Sorry. Francisco, obviously. Yes. Obviously. <laughs> no. No, because... <laughs> Because Pedro Severino is off to such a good start, and like I don't see Cisco cutting into his at bats that much. Uh, yeah, I mean, if I'm taking an Orioles catcher at this point, it's Severino. Andres Jimenez, we've talked about basically every Mets hitter at this point. Why don't we talk about him? One for two with two walks on Wednesday. He stole his fourth base of the season. He is a top five Mets prospect. Not that they have a great farm system, but. The speed is real, Scott. I think that if there's one thing you can rely on him for, it's speed. I think Robinson Cano is getting close to returning. I don't know if Jimenez is still going to play every day once that happens. I would be surprised. Yeah, this is... He's flashed a little bit, though. Like I'm kind of interested in him, just as a player in general. As a speedster, I would... Uh... I would think he would have some low in value if he was playing every day, but he's clearly not going to be playing every day. So, yeah, I'm, I'm out on Andres Jimenez. Some clunkers from Wednesday, Scott. Griffin Canning, four innings pitched, four earned runs. I believe this is back-to-back, subpar starts for Griffin Canning. Matthew Boyd, it's been a subpar season, to say the least. Four and mm-hmm. two-thirds, seven hits, seven earned, three walks, five strikeouts for Matthew Boyd. Is he so droppable? He was doing some different things in this start. I'm not sure how worth how it, how worth it is how worth it it is to get into it. Like 15 whiffs. I mean, that was encouraging, but like the start was still so bad. And the main thing is he can't keep the ball in the yard. I think, especially given that he's on a terrible team, I don't care what their win less win loss record is right now. The Tigers are a terrible team. Um, that. That makes it pretty easy to pull the plug on him if if the need presents itself. Like I'm not spite dropping him. I never spite drop anybody, but I would I would probably drop Nate Pearson before well no. I wouldn't do that. Never mind. I, I wouldn't would drop either. Boyd before Pearson. I would drop but, Boyd first. Yeah, I would too. But I'd rather not if I don't have to, obviously. If he's the worst player on your team, Scott. Would you drop him for one of Spencer Turnbull or Framber Valdez? I would probably drop him for from Framber Valdez. If if Boyd is the most droppable player on your team, it's probably a shallow league. If Valdez is still out there, it's probably a shallow league. And in a shallow league, you can probably get away with dropping Boyd and nobody else going anywhere near him. So, yeah, that's as a way to kind of expand your bench. In your own imagination, practically speaking, yes. Scott, is Griffin Canning on that same level of droppability? 
So Griffin Canning, I'm starting to worry about here because his swinging strikes by start. It's gone 14, 10, 7, 3. His velocity is down about two miles per hour from last year. His slider, has, which was his defining pitch last year, it hasn't been effective at all. He's mostly made do with other pitches. Uh, I went from very excited to him about him to very concerned, and I think he is. I think he's pretty droppable at this point. Hmm. You said the slider was down, Scott. His slider, well, slider is getting no whiffs yeah. at all. It, it just it might not. It could go back to the injury that he had. It could. So it might just the pitch might not be as effective as it as it normally is for him. So uh, yeah, elbow. Yeah. yeah, I could see that. Not not snapping off the slider the same way. Uh, someone else who was not so great on Wednesday was Carlos Carrasco against the Cubs. Four and a third, four hits, three earned, five walks, seven strikeouts. Swinging strikes were still on par. 13 swinging strikes on 103 pitches. He now has nine walks over his last two games, which is kind of uncharacteristic for Carrasco. Just 92 miles per hour on average on his fastball on Wednesday. And, and the velocity has now trended down slightly in each of his starts this season. We did worryometer yesterday, Scott. Where would you be with Carrasco? One to ten. I would be a three. I'm not that worried. If if the walks weren't happening, the walks seemed like a total fluke. If they weren't happening these last two starts, which by the way, the first of those two starts was still good overall. Um but yeah, that that's just a fluke. And if that wasn't there, I I don't think anybody'd have any reason to worry about Carrasco at all. Yeah, the swings and misses are still there. I'll, I'll, I'm a little higher. I'll go. I'll go four for a crap. Four and a half. Four and a half on Carrasco. Just pay attention to that velocity and uh, the command. It's just uncharacteristic for him. Studs being studs. Tim Anderson four hits. He was a double short of the cycle. He had a 69 percent hard contact rate entering Wednesday. He has zero steals thus far. Uh, the White Sox have four steals overall as a team. Luis Robert has three of those. So. It looks like Tim Anderson might just be a batting average contributor. He'll score a lot of runs, and he'll give you a little bit of pop. I, I don't know how much he's going to run. I think it's just organizational philosophy for the White Sox. Juan Soto, three for four with a double dong, four RBI. No protection, no problem. I mean, he's been ridiculous since he's returned. And then Kenta Maeda at the Brewers, six and two-thirds, five hits, two earned, one walk, five strikeouts. 13 swinging strikes on 85 pitches, three runs or less in all four of his starts, Scott. I don't know if you have anything to add on Kenta Maeda outside of he's just really good. Yeah, I, I really, I, I still wish he would actually throw a high number of pitches to know he's allowed to do that. You know, he's been so efficient that he's given you the innings anyway. And, and like, I'm, it, I know it doesn't make sense to harp on a guy for being efficient, but it's just, it's just an, in, Different situation here because uh, of how the Dodgers always handled with Maeda with kid gloves, and we presume it was because of them uh, some contract manipulation stuff going on there, and we're hopeful that's not going to happen with the Twins. We still have yet to find out if it's going to because he's been so darn efficient. Nolan Arenado also had a double dong on Wednesday. He has eight hits over his last three games. He's very good. There's no reason to worry about Nolan Arenado. Some bullpen notes. Ty Buttry was used in the eighth while Hansel Robles pitched in the ninth, but they were losing that game, so I'm not sure it matters all that much. Hansel Robles pitched a perfect inning, struck out the side, and now has made four straight scoreless appearances. 
Ty Buttry has the last two saves for the Los Angeles Angels, so we'll see yeah. if that keeps up in the back end of that bullpen. Trevor Rosenthal walked the bases loaded, Scott, and then <laughs> oh. got Christian Cologne to ground into a double play to end the game, so this is probably the shakiest we've seen Trevor Rosenthal. Oh, for sure, because those were his first three walks of the season. It was a fairly amazing stat for him. and, and uh, He wasn't missing the... terribly. I watched, I watched uh, this appearance. He was like nibbling a little bit. It's not like he was, you know, throwing wild pitches or, you know, completely missing. But he, okay. he was a little off, just a little bit. Yeah, I mean, he's, I, I think he's, it's pretty clear he's the closer now for the Royals, mm-hmm. even though they've, Mike Matheny has gone out of his way not to declare a closer. The usage is, is becoming, making it pretty obvious. So I'm not going to freak out about this three walk appearance for Trevor Rosenthal. Uh, but it's that is what messed him up before. So hopefully it doesn't start a trend. I do want to point out with Robles, seven strikeouts in his past three appearances. Like the velocity isn't back to where it was last year, but he might be getting back on track. And if he does, he clearly deserves to close for the Angels. So don't be so quick to drop him just because we've seen some recent saves from Buttry. Somebody who was back on track on Wednesday was Cole Solser, who does look like the closer for the Orioles. He had a clean inning, two strikeouts for his fourth save of the season. Scott, let's quickly answer a few Apple Podcast review questions. Continue to send those in. Drop a five-star review and a question. We will answer those here on the show. This one's from Jason Langley. He asked this a couple of days ago, maybe a week ago. In a points league, how much longer would you hold on to Mad Bum or Tyler Glass now? This one seems... Pretty straightforward. Opposite worlds. Yeah, right. (laughs) Opposite worlds. Tyler Glass now forever and ever. Mad Bum for never and never. Agreed. That's the answer. That is the answer. This one's from W. Heideman. We Heideman. I don't know if that's just like one word together. Whatever it is. I play in a deep head-to-head points league, and last week I traded Charlie Blackman, Trevor Bauer, and Zach Plesek for Cody Bellinger and Brandon Lau. All three of the guys I sent over have continued to look amazing since the trade, while Bellinger is still hitting below 200. Did, did I give up too much in the trade, Scott? I think you did. I think so. I mean, yeah. I, I'm still saying Cody Bellinger is the best player. You got the best player in the deal, and normally that's advisable, but you gave up a lot. Yeah. And just looking at the trade chart I released yesterday, adding up the values for Blackman and Bauer, Bowers in my top 20 overall in a points league now. So I'm sure. And then you throw in Plesak, who's not exactly worthless himself. Um, giving up the second, third, and fourth most valuable players in this deal. And, you know, Blackman and Bauer being really, really valuable. Probably too much. Yeah, I would say I think Blackman and Plesak for Bellinger is probably a fair trade in itself in a head-to-head points league. Which means yeah. the other side of this trade is Bauer for Brandon Lau. Which... Obviously a does not look great. So not great, Bob. Sorry, we Heideman. From Nikki Delta. Hello, Sean, Steve, Mick, and Brett. Are these are these nineties wrestlers? Sean Michaels, Steve Austin, Mick Foley, Brett Hart? I, I think that's who it is. You're not a wrestling guy, right, Scott? Not at all. Yeah. Not at all. I, I used to I don't to disparage be. those who are, by the I way. I used to be but. a huge wrestling fan, but it's 
it's just falling yeah. off. And honestly, I just don't have enough time to keep up with it because there's so much wrestling content nowadays. It's too hard. A unique 7x6 head-to-head categories league that uses OPS, hits, and batting average. I sent Pete Alonzo, who is a 15th round keeper for next season, and it moves up two rounds every year, and Matthew Boyd to receive Chris Paddock, who is a 12th round keeper in 2021 and moves up two rounds every year. Marcelo Ozuna and Mackenzie Gore. So Pete Alonzo and Boyd for Paddock, Ozuna, and Mackenzie Gore. Was I wrong to let Alonzo go? What do you think, Scott? I would say that you were not. You were not. I I think getting Paddock back is close to a lateral move. And Ozuna and Gore, I mean, especially Gore, I'm not sure how many keepers you get, but I, either one of those I'd probably take for Boyd at this point. So I think I think that was a fine trade. I like it quite a bit. Yeah, I agree with you that Paddock and Alonzo is, is not far off. You have a few more rounds of value in Pete Alonzo, but Matthew Boyd, I, just, I don't really know what to expect moving forward in a keeper league, and Marcel Ozuna is a top 25 outfielder for me, maybe even top 20. Mackenzie Gore has a lot of upside, too. I, I like this trade a lot. If I'm just grading it, B+. Plus, I like it. Last one's from Cubbies, 31, 12-team head-to-head categories league. I just picked up Joe Adele, but I noticed Fran Mil Reyes was available. Should I make that move? If not Adele, would you drop Mark Canna? No! No! Don't even say it. I would drop him for Reyes. I'm not even the Fran Mil Reyes guy, but I, I would drop Adele for Reyes. Yeah, I would make that move as well. You know what I'm starting to get vibes of, Scott? And it, um, I'm having like PTSD just thinking about it. Last year, I spent a lot of fab on Carter Keyboom in some deeper leagues. I did the same thing this weekend on Joe Adele. I'm starting to get <laughs> last year's Carter Keyboom's vibes from this year's Joe Adele. I'm, I'm not feeling good right now. It wouldn't surprise... If Joe Adele continues to struggle, it wouldn't surprise me if they send him back down. So it's not looking very good. It's just... Yeah. It's not. No, I, I agree. I, my concerns for Adele coming into this seem mostly well-founded at this point. Though it could change very quickly. Continue to send your emails as well. We'll answer some of those questions on tomorrow's show. Again, it's going to be a, a, a light slate of games, so we'll try and hit as many macro-level segments as we possibly can, and we'll talk about the next week ahead as well. For Scott, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today on our YouTube channel. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road, any road, the steeper the better. Because my all new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 